On the night of January 6th, which, according to some calendars, is the night when a certain new kind of freedom was born, the second filthy Armenian adventure took place at the Adventurers Club in Los Angeles, where about 120, 30 people gathered. There were a couple bad apples who snuck in to fuck with Santa, but they were more than drowned out by all the glorious Hollywood tangerines. This is the audio version of that evening. You can't experience the tangerines or the string cheese or the dolmas or sujuk, but you can experience the the reception and all the weird, strange, and uh, treasure-filled rooms of this old shrine to adventure in the heart of the Gold Pole. Of course, you can't, you won't be able to experience the short film that screened shortly after intermission, but this is the audio version of that night. And if you're listening on the free feed, you will hear Santa's monologue. And if you're a subscriber to the show on patreon.com slash filthy Armenian with the rug merchants, cigar singers, and oligarchs of the night, you will be able to listen to the entire show with Richard Hanania and his white pills, Jack Mason with his polemic on holiday. Welcome, welcome. If you're a VIP, we got the first four rows for you. Come and join us up here. And Dr. Ben Braddock with his anecdotes from the real wars on Christmas. I conducted this live event as a as an experiment, a surrogate rebirth of the spirit of Christmas, which will be highly needed in the year of our Lord, 2024. Enjoy the show. Club established 1921. This is Gum Arabic, and you are listening to Filthy Armenian Adventures Live with your host, Alec Muhibian.
denying on the left, many of them, our pal John Stewart being among them, uh, that there is any war on Christmas at all. I'm making it all up. I'm fabricating. I actually think that I'm like Jeff Dunham. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose On the block and billions and jillions of people turning out to vote almost as many people as there were on the opening night of my smash holiday movie classic Jingle All The Way! been such a day in Beverly Hills. I shaved. Welcome to White Christmas, a celebration of a holiday that all of you in this room are completely over by now, or so you think. That's what they want you to think. They don't want you to think that January 6th 
is the twelfth night of Christmas, the night of Epiphany. They want you to think that January 6th is democracy's Halloween. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of bookings this year. If I were Joan Rivers in that documentary, I'd be firing someone because I had a lot of open dates this year. My NIL payments were way down. I'm starting to wonder if even Coca-Cola still believes in me anymore. Even the bratty little theater kids haven't bothered to debase me in a while, Billy Bob Thornton style. I'm being iced out. And it's not just they who are icing me out. It's the parents who are in on it. Schmillennials, Gen Schmexers, they're opting out. What if Tobias feels fooled one day? No longer trusts us. No longer thinks we're chill. Some parents are even using, it's about the birthday of Jesus as an excuse not to serve the Santa pill. I'm onto all their little tricks. Thank God for Cher. That was a nice little Christmas album she put out there. You know, all those billboards shining some cheer around LA. That was a nice exception. Who knows what impelled that woman to dust off those marbles and put them back in her mouth to sing, I like Christmas. Maybe it's ancestral. After all, where Cher and I come from, people like to drag Christmas out evenly between the past year and the new. Where I come from originally, nobody's in a hurry to move on from Christmas or anything else. But other than Sherilyn, it's been a pretty gray Christmas, a beige Christmas at best, a half-masked Christmas, a zombie Christmas. And part of it I understand. 2023 was not the most festive year, big picture. We all see what's happening in the courts and on the streets. We see mayhem on every historic stage of the world. We see Crimea, Crimea River. We see Artsakh. We saw the horrors of October 7, and as bad as they were, they could have been worse. At least the terrorists were wearing masks. <laughs> Could always get worse. I mean, imagine if the terrorists had invaded Jerusalem, put on Viking hats, and marched around the capital without any weapons. <laughs> October 7 may have been 15 9-11s, but at least it was zero January 6s. <laughs> ho, ho, ho! But let's not pretend such grand, epic horrors are what kill the Christmas spirit. History shows the opposite. History shows it's the petty, miserly, internal naysayings and social isolations that scrooge things up. It's death by a thousand bitchings. The music, the shopping, the malls. Oh, the terrible burden of greeting people with a kind phrase. Getting a tree, uh, decorating, gifts. Bitch, bitch, bitch. I hate visiting family. I hate feeling lonely. Well, what fucking is it? They love blaming me for loneliness. If people 
are feeling lonely during Christmas, and they are. Isn't it because so many other people are feeling the very opposite of lonely? Do you really think you can redistribute that feeling by snatching it away? Apparently, they do. Ever since Dr. Grinchy canceled Christmas to stop the spread of racism, ever since they declared January 6th Halloween, ever since they censored Home Alone, the Grinch has reigned. Except for a few sacred spots here and there, there's no public Christmas anymore. And because how can there be? There's no public life anymore. Malls, what malls? The original pantry closes at 3 p.m. And it stops serving food at 2.30. I just went there. This is freedom. Congratulations. You no longer have to be somewhere where you're, forced to, where you're forced to hear Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, why is every diner closed? And unless you're into boba, you don't have to be trapped in a coffee shop with I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, the harrowing song about a young Michael Jackson discovering Santa is real and his mom's a whore. Adios, Feliz Navidad, because the only thing open past 10 p.m. these days is the border. <laughs> I used to be the only one who was allowed to keep a list of who's naughty and nice. Now that's every woman in HR. <laughs> All these counterfeit Mrs. Clauses with degrees in gender Grinch studies. And by the way, Mrs. Claus was never my idea. Some lady poet in the 60s forced her into my story. Saint Nick was a monk, a bachelor. If Saint Nick had been married, there's no way Mrs. Nick would have allowed him to be so generous as in that famous story where he gifted three young, impoverished, four out of tens a dowry so they wouldn't have to become e-girls. Christmas is niche now, and Santa is kitsch. Call me Kitsch Kringle, dusty ornament of an abandoned morality, archaic, tinsel-covered stranger, bordering on fruitcake, bordering on creepy old man. They don't believe in Santa anymore. They believe in astrology, which is therapy for Slavs. They don't believe in Santa anymore. They believe in therapy, which is astrology for Jews. <laughs> they don't believe in Santa. They believe in methylene blue or abortion over the counter or abortion bans on every ballot or long COVID or porn brain or twink death, problematic age gaps, climate change, mewling about drag queens or getting the ick. Gay boys have now learned how to get the ick. <laughs> they don't believe in Santa, they believe in leprechauns, or as you call them in America, Kennedys. <laughs> they believe in masks, they still believe in masks, they will always believe in masks. They believe in paragraph breaks between pseudo-inspirational sentence fragments.
They believe in oysters. They don't believe in Santa, they believe in Epstein's flight logs. Well, guess what? Guess who's on those flight logs? Guess who used Epstein's plane every single year to deliver presents to Christian minorities <laughs> in the Middle East? I did. How else do you think little Hanania gets his first Fisher Price euthanasia playset? <laughs> Besides, who am I to judge airplanes? My pilot is a red-nosed alcoholic. And in many ways, my sleigh was the original Lolita Express. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Poor Christians in the Middle East. No gifts for them this year. Can't sneak past Hamas anymore. And the IDF has me on their no-fly list. Why? Because last year I made fun of the Eli Wiesel Award. See, I was nominated for that award due to my outreach campaign where I brought Jewish kids presents for Hanukkah. Three years in a row, I was nominated for the Eli Wiesel Award, and three years in a row, I lost to Eli Wiesel. <laughs> the Grinches are in power. The Grinches are in power for now, and we live in a gray desert. That's why I spend most of my time these days down here like a bohemian layabout, trying to catch some golden cracks in the gold pole. Where Irving Berlin lamented, there's no Lindy's, no newspaper at 2 a.m., no Broadway, no city. Yes, that Lindy's. Where Eve Babbitts once said, Hollywood, the master of spun out fantasies, gave up on Christmas with hardly a shrug. I've been hanging out here in Tinseltown because despite what he said and she said, this is and always has been the perfect place to dream of a white Christmas. was invented by Israel. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't kidnap and rape the messenger. Don't quote Norm Finkelstein to the messenger. White Christmas was invented by Israel. Balin, the great American songwriter some of you might know, as Irving Berlin. A thousand songs that man published. Songs like Blue Skies, and always, 
And let's face the music and dance. There's no business like show business. How deep is the ocean? Button on the Ritz. Songs like God Bless America. A thousand songs and half of them were hits. But no hit was ever a bigger hit by Irving Berlin or anyone else than White Christmas. A song he wrote during my favorite working hours all night. A song he completed on the night of January 6th. He wrote it for Bing Cosby to sing in a movie musical about an inn that's only open on the holidays. A holiday inn. That's where it got the name. And each holiday, the hotel staged a song and a dance written by Irving Berlin. But only one song was heard. First on the radio, live, December 25, 1941. Just a few weeks before the movie came out, and a few weeks after Pearl Harbor got sucky bombed. White Christmas instantly became, and still is today, the record that broke all records. Best-selling single of all time. Source of the entire Christmas pop entertainment genre in music and film. The melody in the locket of all the boys fighting fascism overseas. Boys who yearned as much as anyone can yearn for a white Christmas, just like the ones they used to know. Boys and girls who must have felt, listening to that song, that white Christmas, the song as much as the concept, is what they were fighting for. There is a secret to White Christmas. And it's not that it was written by a Jew. <laughs> Name a pop song that wasn't written by a Jew. You can't. Cole Porter is the exception, and he proves the rule. I mean, he loved observing Jewish culture so much that one plump, bearded wag once referred to Cole Porter as an oyur. Ho, 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 ho. It was me, I was, the, I was the plump bearded wag. Christmas was a big deal to Irving Berlin. It was not a foreign event. He loved Christmas because God bless America. The boy came here from Siberia when he was five, started working the Lower East Side as a kiddo, dropped out of school to become a song plugger. Imagine that. Imagine there was once a job for a young teenage self that was called Song Plugger. Even better than Soda Jerk. A Song Plugger hopped from bar to bar singing songs to promote sales of sheet music. Christmas was a glittering ball of pizzazz in New York in those days, when it was not yet fashionable to feel excluded. Berlin's own daughter described Christmas as the single most beautiful and exciting day of the year. Early, Irving Berlin loved Christmas, at least until his newborn son tragically died on December 25 in 1928. There is no escaping that White Christmas is deeply, inherently a sad song. Like so many Christmas songs, even the ones with joyful, triumphant lyrics, like, what child is this, which we sing to the melody of the folk song Greensleeves about a retiring prostitute. Even the very first people 
To celebrate Christmas, we're trying to conjure a night they never knew. But there's another secret to White Christmas. To find the secret I'm talking about, we must first dream of a white Christmas, just like in the song. Dream of a white Christmas. Dream of a white Christmas. Dream, dream, dream of a white Christmas. And if we're lucky, a memory of a white Christmas appears. Now we start to wonder, what made that Christmas so damn white? We are looking with a child's eyes. In a dream, we are always looking with a child's eyes. And we are speaking in a child's voice. In a dream, we are always speaking with a child's voice. A voice we can never quite hear, but as an echo of longing or confusion or guilt. And we are looking at this Christmas, or holiday if you're a faggot. We are looking at this Christmas and we are wondering what makes it so damn white. Maybe it's the snow, but only some of us see snow. What we all see, What we all see, snow or sun or steel, is a world where it's cold on the outside, but warm on the inside. Where it's so warm and fertile on the inside, shut up! Where it's so warm and fertile on the inside that there's a tree in the living room. And the tree is decorated, the tree is gleaming, the tree is glittering, the tree smells like reward. Maybe like the tree Israel saw in his Irish neighbor's window as a kid. The tree is even reaching up to heaven. There are presents below that tree and the presents have not been opened. And people are together. People are together in some kind of way that won't last. Like one of those beautiful presents under the tree about to be torn to shreds. And the first thing we feel, if we're lucky enough to have this dream, is total excitement. In every fiber of our being, the kind of excitement we used to feel at other times of year when, say, a friend was coming over, or we were going to visit a friend. We remember that excitement. Only now it's not kindled by the magic of friendship, it's kindled by family. Though maybe in a mixture of both, we see a cousin or an uncle we admire who is usually too busy being cool and young to spend a full night with us like this. They're all stars tonight. They're all precious ornaments. Any relative who ever made us feel young and loved. And of course, there's candy, there's food, there's TV, there's games, and there is freedom. But what there really is if we are lucky enough to have this dream, which I know is not all of you, if we are lucky enough to be raised on Santa, what there is mixed with freedom in this dream is an atmosphere of worship. And at the center of that worship, 
is mommy and or daddy who created the atmosphere for us, who got us to believe in, be grateful for, fear, who gave us the capacity to worship a God who we never quite never knew was our mommy and or daddy in spiritual drag. These are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. Yella, time to wake up. Stop dreaming of a time before some atom in your story split for good. Split by death or by divorce. Split by stock market. Split by war. Split by an inspirational fitness trainer converting mommy to Romanian Islam. Split by daddy going out to get some Hestias and never coming back. Split by whatever. You want we should regroup that atom? It can't be done. There is nothing you can do to change the fact that two people in that dream are kissing for the last time. The white Christmas we are dreaming of, like the white Christmas Bing Crosby was singing of, is a white Christmas we will never, ever, ever know again. Unless, unless we put on the goddamn pants, we step into the goddamn shoes, strap on the goddamn beard, buckle up the goddamn belt, and assume the goddamn role. Hollywood style. Because if there's one place that still barely has the power to bring Santa back to life, it is Holly weird. If there is one place where if you want a white Christmas, you have to create a white Christmas using whatever snow you can get your hands on, using whatever nostalgia or faith or longing or invention, whatever commercial incentive or genre, whatever bullshit based on truth, if there's one place where a new white Christmas starring not our parents but ourselves can be greenlit. It's the place where Israel wrote White Christmas and where its final secret lies. In those very first lines you don't even hear because they were cut, because they reveal that the entire song began as a holly weird lampoon. The song which became the Melancholypto National Anthem of our American Christmas was inspired not by World War or by a dead baby or by a snowstorm, but by an 80 degree winter day at the Beverly Hills Hotel. The sun is shining, the grass is green, the orange and palm trees sway. There's never been such a day in Beverly Hills, LA. But it's December the 24th, 
and I am longing to be up north. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Ho, ho, ho! There's no business like show businesses there, folks. Ho, ho, ho! That's all for the free portion of the show. To listen to the whole three-hour evening of Magic and Rebirth and White Christmas with Richard Hanania and Jack Mason and Dr. Ben Braddock. Please subscribe at patreon.com slash filthyarmenian to put a little bit of money where your soul is and help us keep the lights on. You get at least half of the episodes. You'll get almost daily short, brief smoke breaks that are only for subscribers. Um, And yes, at least half the episodes that are only for subscribers and special things like this. And uh, most importantly, you'll be supporting this one-of-a-kind travel agency for the soul, which is on a very, very, uh, very high-powered mission in this year, 2024. See you on the other side of the paywall, and uh, have a good night. Give it up for that body!